Welcome to the Lutheran Church of the Nativity in Arden, North Carolina. I am Pastor Naomi Cease-Kerriker. I'm the senior pastor here. Thank you for joining us for worship when and how you choose to do so. As a reminder for those of you that would like to come into the building to physically gather, music rehearsals have started again. And so if you'd like to participate in those, please come on over into the church Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. for bells, handbells, and 7.30 p.m. for the choir. My guess is by now you have heard that the CDC has changed its masking guidelines, and in many ways they've become less restrictive, which is really fantastic. But please know that the task team for reopening and regathering here at Nativity, as well as the Congregational Council, are having conversations about how to embrace some of that good news here in this space when we physically gather. So keep an eye out on your e-news if you receive it or on our Facebook page, or you may call the office if you have any questions. And now a very special announcement from Shannon Cheek, who is the director of our Nativity Preschool and Kindergarten. Hi Nativity, thank you for your generosity during April and the noisy offering drive we were able to raise over $3,000 for scholarship funds. We have over 100 returning students to NPK next year, and we're so looking forward to the next school year. Have a great weekend. Let us continue with our brief order for confession and forgiveness. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God who creates us and forms us, who redeems us and calls us, who unites us and sends us. Amen. Gathered in God's presence, let us confess our sin. Mighty and loving God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We seek our own way. We divide the body of Christ. In your mercy, cleanse us and heal us. Let the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts and everything that we do be filled with faith, hope, and love. Amen. Friends, hear the voice of Jesus who says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim release to the captives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I proclaim to you that your sins are forgiven and you are released. The joy of the Lord is your strength and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are yours forever. Amen. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Almighty God, with joy we celebrate the day of our Lord's resurrection. By the grace of Christ among us, enable us to show the power of the resurrection in all that we say and do. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Acts chapter 1. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together, the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, 
which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of the two you have chosen to take the place of the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was added to the 11 apostles. The second reading is from John chapter five. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater for this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his son. Those who believe in the son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 17th chapter. Jesus says, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes... I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the gospel of our Lord. 
My friends, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Did our gospel seem difficult to understand? It was sure difficult to say, so I'm certain it was difficult to understand. In fact, it was so difficult for Mia to understand that here I am obviously not recording in the sanctuary, but in my house because I needed a little extra time to think through what was being said in our gospel and what kind of sermon could come from our gospel. And so I know that there are people who have the spiritual gift of understanding scripture, and that's something that I sometimes struggle with, especially with John's gospel. At times, it seems to me that the author of the Gospel of John must have been smoking or eating some kind of herb that altered his perception of reality. This Gospel is filled with discourses like these, like, like the one we just heard that seem to be both tongue twisters and brain benders all at once. And so what's going on in our Gospel? Well, on his last night with the disciples, Jesus shares a meal with them. He washes their feet and he gives them a new commandment. And he answers question after question concerning the fact that he is about to leave them. For four chapters, all through the Gospel of John, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And after all of that, Jesus begins to pray. In the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Jesus prays before his arrest, he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays alone. And even his most trusted disciples are some distance from him, and rather than listening, praying, or keeping watch, they fall asleep. In the Gospel of John, the scene is completely different. Jesus and the disciples have not yet traveled to the Garden, where Jesus will be met by Judas and betrayed. In John's gospel, when Jesus prays, the disciples are within earshot. They might still be sitting around the table. Throughout the earlier part of the evening, Jesus had given them as much information as he could about what was about to happen and how he would provide for them in the future. And now Jesus turns from offering information to them and he begins to offer them intercessions prayer for them. So after one is able to struggle with the 17th chapter of John, with all its seemingly psychedelic language, it can be easy to see this chapter as a to-do list for the church. However, this is not what is going on here. Jesus is simply praying for his friends. Jesus is not offering instructions to the disciples or to the faith communities they will lead. Jesus is not persuading here. He's not instructing. He's not teaching, preaching, rallying the community. Jesus is praying. In the Gospel of John, there is no instruction on how to pray. We don't hear Jesus teach the words to what we know as the Lord's Prayer. What we get in John's Gospel is this very real model of prayer. A prayer that starts out as one for himself, the one praying. A prayer that is for the disciples and friends of Jesus who were physically present at the time he was praying. A prayer for us and a prayer for those believers yet to be. 
In the Gospel of John, the world is often a way of describing those who oppose Jesus. Nevertheless, it was for the love of the world, for the love of those who oppose Jesus, that God sent God's Son into our world. And we hear in our Gospel this prayer where Jesus intercedes not only for his own, but for the world. Here Jesus is praying not just for his disciples, his friends, and us. He is praying for those who have been hostile to the coming of the Son so that they may believe that it was God the Father who sent him. Now it's natural to feel all sorts of things when someone prays out loud for you. Prays for you by name while you're present. Comforted, vulnerable, grateful, honored, humbled, awkward, but appreciative, like someone really cares. And maybe one of the reasons it's so easy to turn John chapter 17 into a to-do list for the church is that such a list is easier to manage than an experience as intimate as being the subject of another's prayer. If Jesus was directing his disciples, and by extension us, we could strive to meet his expectations. If he was encouraging us, we would have a mission. And then, namely, not to disappoint him. Instead, we overhear a prayer on our behalf. And we're not called to action in the moment as much as wonder that the Father and the Son spend their time discussing the likes of us, our families, and our faith community. One of the things I love about this prayer is that Jesus is praying that those who do not know him, even those who are hostile to him and his followers, come to a relationship with Jesus. Not a conversion, a relationship. Because I think Jesus knows it is all about relationship we have with Jesus and each other as a community of believers, a community of faith. A conversion experience asks the newly converted to simply say, I believe by their own willpower. But Jesus isn't praying for us to say, I believe. Jesus is praying that we will also come to live in full relationship with Jesus and other believers. With our beliefs and with our limitations to believe. However, let's be honest. Even those of us who feel we do have a relationship with Jesus and the community of faith, I know there are times we struggle to believe and to know. There are times I struggle to believe and know. I can actually think of quite a few examples of times in my life where things seem to be falling apart and God has seemed at first to be distant. However, one of the things you may not know about me is that 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks my central nervous system, which means that pretty regularly, my body in a, is in a state of falling apartness. This isn't something that is secret, but it's also something that is hard to share, especially to a faith community. And though I try not to let on, I struggle every week with symptoms of tingling in my legs, balance issues, severe fatigue, depression, and the tremors in my hands, which I know some of you have noticed. 
But despite living with a chronic illness for 15 years with all the frustration and pain that that entails regularly, I have found God active in my life. God is active in the support that I have from my husband, my family, and my friends. God is active in the compassion I receive by my medical team, doctors, nurses, staff, and yes, my therapist. God is active in scientists, labs, and people willing to go through medical trials to provide better medicines. And so I do see God active in my life regularly, but that doesn't stop the overwhelming feelings that life is crashing around me at times, be it from MS issues or something else in my heart. And so I take great comfort in knowing that the words Jesus prays in John's gospel continue to be words of prayer and hope for me today. And here's the thing. When I go to those places of despair and doubt and deep questioning about matters of faith, even though I know God is there, it's sometimes just too hard to pray. To pray for others. To pray for my faith community, to pray for myself, to pray for my dogs. And that's when I do the thing that I learned from a seminary professor years ago. I stop trying to force it. And I let the community pray for me. I let the community be my voice when my voice in prayer is failing and when my anger and doubts are so big that they eclipse my ability to pray out loud. Your prayers sustain me. Not just the ones you offer in your homes and silently to yourselves, but the prayers of the community gathered physically in one place, yes, and online. In the moments of my life where I just cannot pray, your prayers are more than enough to sustain me through those times until I can faithfully find the words to pray out loud again. I encourage you, when you feel, feel filled with doubt or anger or sadness that encompasses you in a way in which you just cannot pray, do not be ashamed. But do know, that the prayers of others around you can sustain you, can carry you through the hurt places in your life. You do not need to be praying out loud in order for the prayers of those around you to include you. Because being in relationship with Jesus and the community of faith means that there are times that we let that relationship carry us. Just as we know that there are times we carry others. And so I find it extremely comforting to know that as we pray for ourselves and others, Jesus is present and active in those prayers, even if we're not fully aware of his presence. And I find it extremely comforting to know that Jesus prayed for his friends and his disciples, and he prays for us. We are truly not alone in life's journey. And even when at times it may feel that way, take comfort in the fact that Jesus is present and praying for you, my friends, each and every one of you. Jesus prays for you. Jesus isn't always directing the church. He's not always instructing. 
He's not always preaching or teaching or rallying the community. However, Jesus is always praying and is present with you, with me, with all of us, and the world. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. On this seventh Sunday of Easter, let us pray for all in need, responding to each petition with the words, give us life in your name. Let us pray. For the church, we pray, O God, that you raise up the next generation of pastors, deacons, and musicians to serve your people, that you protect believers wherever danger threatens, especially in Palestine and Gaza, and that you grant Christians a spirit of unity with all the baptized. Hear us, God, Holy Father. Give us life in your name. For the earth, we pray that you safeguard the trees and all the streams of water that you preserve ice at both the North and the South Poles, and that you instruct us in ways to repair what, you, what in your creation we have broken. Hear us, God, plenteous giver. Give us life in your name. For peace and justice, we pray, that leaders of nations act with integrity in their decisions that the poor be respected and supported, that prejudice against people of different color or language or ethnicity be ended, and that our government use wisely the tax money it gathers. Hear us, God, righteous ruler. Give us life in your name. For all the sick and suffering, we pray that you give medical care to all with COVID, that you visit with compassion the people of India, that you sustain those with lifelong disability and chronic illness, and that you embrace all of those we name before you in our hearts. Hear us, God, physician and nurse. Give us life in your name for all graduates. We pray that opportunities for appropriate employment or further education be open to them. For all who cannot benefit from such schooling, especially for women where their education is forbidden, we pray that you show them a worthy way forward. Hear us, God, teacher of truth. Give us life in your name. In the joy of the resurrection, in the hope of the gift of your Holy Spirit, we raise these prayers to you, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. 
The peace of the Lord be with you always. My friends, I do invite you to take a moment to share the peace within your household, whoever you are watching worship or listening to worship with. Make plans to call a friend later in the day. Text someone and pet your Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. St. <laughs> Paul tells us in the book of Galatians, You, my siblings, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge yourself. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we live out loving our neighbors and those unknown to us by doing the work of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Friends, since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold on to it as an idea in our heads or as a sentiment in our hearts but that we work out its implications in every detail of our lives. And so the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the God of grace bless you now and forever. You are the body of Christ raised up for the world. Go in peace. Share the good news. Hallelujah.